0: So the reading this evening is Romans chapter 13 verses 8 to 14 and you'll find it on page 1140 in the Bible in your pews. So Romans chapter 13 verse starting at verse 8 Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another, for whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and whatever other command there may be, are summed up in this one command, love your neighbour as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbour, therefore love is the fulfilment of the law. And do this understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber, because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over, the day is almost here.
1: Uh, Good evening. Please do keep that passage open. Uh, It's the first day of Advent today. Uh, Christmas is now only 24 days away, and I'm sure you're counting down. Advent is a time of waiting and looking forward to a special day to come, Christmas Day. And you've probably heard stories of of children waking up their parents at at silly o'clock in the morning, three o'clock on Christmas morning. Can we open presents now? They're so excited at what's to come, and they wake up super early, buzzing around, ready to get on the day. In fact, uh, the behavior uh, leading up to Christmas gives you a sense of the kind of day to come. In this passage, uh, Christians are to live in a way that shows that we understand another day to come, the day of Jesus' return. Look at verse 11 with me. And do this, understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber, because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over, the day is almost here. You see, as Christians, both a, a view of the past and a view of the future affect how we're to live now in the present. A view of the past, that we've received God's mercy. That's really been the key from chapter 12 onwards. Let the mercy of God shape how you live, particularly how you love. In the future, well, Christians are to understand the night is nearly over, and the day is almost here when Jesus will return. And so wake up and live in light of the day to come. Well, to help us through this passage, we'll, we'll have three headings. Uh, first heading is love continually, uh, pay up. Uh, second heading is uh, live in the day, wake up. And then the third heading, light is your armor, dress up. So, first heading, love continually, pay up. What does life look like once we've Receive God's mercy. Well, look at verse 8 with me. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. Has anyone ever received a tax rebate? No? Well, you can see I have. Uh, it's great. I can't remember how much it was for or what I spent it on. Probably a laptop or something. Uh, but it was great to open the letter from Her Majesty's Revenue and Custom and to see that I didn't owe any money to them, but they owed me money. I'd pay too much tax somehow. Actually, paying taxes is one of the things Paul has been talking about in the previous verses. Uh, from chapter 12 onwards, uh, Paul's been encouraging Christians, uh, those who have received God's mercy, uh, to be transformed in every area of their lives Uh, God's mercy it reaches into all the corners of our lives transforms how we relate to God transforms how we relate to ourselves how we relate to our fellow Christians and our neighbour even translates uh, relates to how we um, come into contact with the state and pay our taxes and so Paul encourages Christians, be diligent in paying off what you owe If you owe taxes, pay it. If you owe revenue, pay it. I guess to an extent it can be easy to find verses 1 to 7 in chapter 13 achievable. I certainly did with regards to paying off my taxes. In fact, I even overpaid in some respect. And a lot of us will will probably be able to tick most of the list in, in verses 1 to 7 in chapter 13. And if you are just starting to get comfortable with the list of things Paul says we should be doing as Christians, then Paul presents to us here in verse 8 something that shakes us from our complacency. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love. You see, firstly, Christians owe a debt to love. This kind of love is continuous. We can't pay it off. It just keeps going. Why? But well, it's because it's what God's love creates in us. The amazing mercy we've received from God creates in us a continuous love for others. It's it's what Paul's been banging on about since chapter twelve. He says it's the debt, one debt we owe. So show it, because you owe it. As Christians, we can't overpay someone in love. It's not like paying too much tax. Me and my wife, Beth, uh, we try our best to keep our house in order. Uh, Sometimes when Beth's not at home uh, and I'm feeling proactive once in a blue moon, I use my initiative, you know, and I start doing a bit of cleaning. You know, I just keep going until I get tired, really. And because I've fulfilled my obligation, I've outdone myself, overpaid in housework. That's me done for... Another few days, week, month, you get my drift. Paul's saying here, love is the one thing we can't pay off. We can't overpay in love. We can never outdo ourselves with the love we show. I wonder how that will shape how we look at each other. In the sense that as Christians, we're always in debt to love each other. It completely changes our behavior when we fall out, when we meet together on a Sunday. Every time we see each other, the first thought that comes to mind is our debt to love each each other. It will transform our conversations, the time we spend with each other, how we serve together, how patient we are with each other. Not only does this love keep going, a true love fulfills the law. Look at the end of verse 8. Whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. End of verse 10. Love is the fulfillment of the law. Not to say that we ever fulfill the law. It's impossible for us. We fail to love in a way that God's law requires. I hope you don't get a wrong view of the law either, because the law doesn't save us. No, Jesus does that on the cross. The law doesn't make us holy either. The Holy Spirit does that in us. Rather, the law describe how describes how God wants his people to be. And love sums it all up. Verse 9, and whatever other command there may be are summed up in this command. Love your neighbor. If you want to know the parameters of how to love, then look at God's law. See, when you, when you love your neighbor, you'll refrain from adultery, you'll consider his life precious, you won't murder him. You consider his property precious, you won't steal from him. Christians aren't afraid of God's commands. Rather, we look to it because it teaches us how to love. Love is at the heart of the Christian life. And who are we to love? Well, we're to love each other and we're to love our neighbour. Which begs the question, Who is my neighbor? Is this kind of love to be directed to, well, only fellow Christians? Or is it talking about my fellow citizens? Or both? Well, I think it's both. Who's our neighbor? It's the people God places in our lives, the people we have an opportunity to show love and mercy to. It's cultivated amongst fellow Christians and practiced wherever God places us in the world that means well, even to love those who would seek to do us harm the spiteful colleague, colleague at work yeah, You're to love him too the family member you just can't see eye to eye with and it's more hassle than it's worth yeah, you're to love them too the person at church who just seems to give you a cold shoulder all the time not even sure why yeah, you're called to love them too This kind of love is is hard, isn't it? Because it means loving even when we don't feel like it. Love described here isn't just a a warm, fuzzy feeling in our hearts. Uh, No, love is a choice, a matter of behavior uh, created and motivated by what God has done for us. And if you ever fall into the danger of thinking that your debt to love stops, then it's probably because you've lost sight of God's mercy. Christians, we owe a continuing debt to love others. It's a debt that never runs out. This love is the essence of God's law. It's a love that's outward facing, reaching everyone that God places in our lives. Which brings us onto our second heading. Oh, it's a love like this, understanding the present time. Live in the day... Wake up. I look at verse eleven with me again. And do this understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber, because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over, and the day is almost here. We all know what it feels like to wake up. You know what it feels like deep midwinter when you wake up and it's it's still dark outside but you wake up anyway, you you start the slow walk to the bathroom to put the kettle on, to your cupboard to get the clothes out and get ready. Why do you bother at all? Well, it's because even though it's still dark outside, you know the night will soon pass and the sun will rise. The day will come about any moment now, so live as if the day is coming. Wake up and get ready. You see, these verses are dealing with sleepy Christians, asleep to the time they're living in, asleep to Jesus' return. Paul says, Wake up from your slumber. Uh, In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, uh, Paul describes Christians Christians as children of light. He says, But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness, so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all children of the light, And children of the day, we do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then, let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. As Christians, we no longer belong to the night. God has mercifully shone his light on us through Christ, And so we belong to the day. Let us awaken and live in it. And let us do so by understanding the significance of the present time. Our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. Don't sleepwalk through this time. The day of Jesus' return is nearer now, today, than it was yesterday. It gets closer and closer each and every day. Understand the present time you're living in and the opportunity it presents. Live in this time with a certain hope as a Christian that Jesus will return one day. But also live in this time with an urgency because each day is a step closer to judgment for those who don't yet know him. Time's ticking for our non-Christian friends and family. Understand the opportunity this present time gives you to share the gospel with those asleep to Jesus' return. Understand the, the present time because the night is nearly over and the day is almost here. So put away the things that belong to the night. Live in the day. Look at verse 12 to 13 with me again. The night is nearly over, the day is almost here. So let us put aside deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently, as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Live in a way that's appropriate for the daytime. Imagine leaving your house in the morning, and before you get on your bike or bus, car, you see people walking around, cycling around, in their pyjamas, in their dressing gown. You get to work, or the school gate, and colleagues and parents are, are walking around in their pyjamas. an odd and silly sight. See, waking up from sleep and living in the daytime, well, it involves putting away things that belong to the night. What a silly and odd thing to do, to go throughout the daytime with nighttime clothes on. As sleepy people. Sleepy people do silly things and sometimes they don't even realize it and not the Christian you're no longer asleep because in God's mercy his light has shone brightly into your eyes into your heart you can now see clearly so take off these clothes that belong to the night and stop walking around in them put aside your sinful deeds and Paul says dress up Behave decently for the day to come. Carousing, drunkenness, sexual immorality and debauchery, these are activities that typically take place during the night time, not in the day. So as children of light, as children of the day, put away the things that belong to the night. Friends at college going out to parties, where there'll be drugs and drinks. Not for me. I'm a child of the light, living for the day and not for dark and sinful activities. I no longer live to party or get drunk. I live expecting Jesus' return. A hook-up culture where casual sex is treated like an appetite being fed or the contrast between weddings and affairs. One is celebrated in the eyes of the world and one is hidden from the eyes of the world. Paul is saying don't live for it. If you are a Christian, then don't engage in sexual immorality. Your body, it belongs to the Lord. Jealousy, gossiping, arguing, as tempting as it can be to talk about that family member badly to other people. And not me, not anymore. I've put away sinful thoughts and sinful words because they no longer fit me as a Christian. You see, the Bible is realistic about human nature and also realistic about where Christians might find themselves. If you're a Christian, then you're no longer to find yourself in fellowship with the deeds of darkness. Rather, you're to put them aside and put on the armor of light. Which brings us onto our third and final heading. Light is your armor. Dress up. I put Christ in brackets in this third heading uh, because they're essentially the same thing. Uh, To put on the armor of light is to put on Christ. Look at verse 14 with me. Uh, Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of of the flesh. The day ahead determines how we dress, doesn't it? If you're still at school, you get dressed, I imagine you, you put on your school uniform. If you're going to work, I imagine you put on your work clothes. Or think about a wedding if someone's about to get married. If you're a, the bride, well, you probably wear a dress, and if you're the groom, you, you'd probably wear a suit, a shirt and tie. You might even wear a coattail. How about going into battle? well, you'd probably want to suit up in body armor. You see, what we think of the day ahead will will determine how we dress for it. The language Paul uses in this passage gives us a sense of what we're dressing for. End of verse 12. Put on the armor of light. Verse 14. Clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. Another translation says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ armor. It's military language, isn't it? Makes you think of a soldier getting ready for a fight. Why? Well, that's because the Christian life is a fight for godliness, a fight against the desire of the flesh. In the Bible, the flesh usually symbolizes our sinful nature, and as Christians, we're in conflict with this sinful nature. We're to fight against it, by putting on the armor of Christ. I wonder, do we see our strife for godliness as a, as a fight? Or do we see our Christian lives as being part of a, just a cozy club at church where we can sleep our way to heaven, never fighting for godliness? And then Paul says, put on your armor because well, the day hasn't arrived yet, the night is still here there is still conflict that rages within us. Uh, The imagery of clothing would have been familiar with the Christians in the early church, where uh, upon their baptism, uh, the new Christian converts would put on new clothes to symbolize their new existence. And in this context, the clothes we wear symbolize our behavior. And if we're to dress appropriately for our new existence, uh, for the fight against darkness, against sin, And the appropriate clothes to put on is Christ. It's a key to Christian life. How do we put on Christ? Well, let me make a couple of suggestions. I don't mean to be flippant about this serious matter, but we're to adopt a similar attitude to putting on Christ as we do to putting on the regular clothes we wear every day. You all got dressed today. And ever since you left the house, your, your clothes have followed you wherever you've gone. And so it is with the Christian. Put on Christ daily and let him follow you in all that you do, in how you speak to yourself. I will not gratify the desires of my sinful flesh. Put on Christ and let him follow you in how you speak with your colleagues at work, as you drive the kids to school, as you hang out after school, As you read, as you use the internet, as you open your mouth to speak, put on Christ and never take him off. You see, we must seek to bring Christ into every area of our lives. We can't afford to be underdressed for the fight. Every day and everything we do calls for putting on the armor of Christ because he will lead us in the fight against our sinful nature because it's a fight he's already won on the cross another way of saying uh, put on Christ is to say live by the spirit now, they are equivalent uh, in Galatians chapter 5 verse 16 it says so I, walk, so I say walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh for the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh uh, they are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. Pray and ask for God's help so that we continue to live and walk by the Spirit, so that we do not think of how to gratify the desires of our flesh. And what will motivate us to put on Christ daily is to understand the daily battles we face against the flesh and the need to dress up in Christ and take him with us wherever we go to ask the Holy Spirit to transform our thoughts every day so that we do not seek to to be people who gratify our sinful flesh, but rather people who walk by the Spirit. As we come to a close, let me offer a, a few suggestions as to how we can respond to what we've heard this evening by providing you with three things to think about as you go away. Firstly, Who? Who? If you're thinking, where do I start with a guy to loving my neighbor? I can't love everyone. That would just be impractical. Then just think of one person. Who is the neighbor, the one person that God's calling me to love continually today, this week, this year? Yeah, we, we can't love the whole world. But we can love the people that God places in our lives. Why don't you just think of one person? And if you can't think of one person, then look around you. There's plenty of brothers and sisters here tonight that you owe a debt of love to. So who? Who's the one neighbor I can love? Secondly, what? What's the one deed of darkness, the sinful behavior I still struggle with that I haven't yet put off? Maybe it's pride, a desire to feed my ego and the many way pride manifests itself. Or maybe it's a desire to please my sinful nature, to seek pleasure, the way that manifests itself in our actions. Maybe it's our words, the sharp tongue we still have. Maybe it's our wandering eye, the things we still look at. Now what's the one deed of darkness, uh, sinful behavior, I can put off today, uh, this week? and ask for God's help in. So, who's the neighbor? What's the one deed of darkness, I can, sinful behavior I can put off? And thirdly, wear Christ every day. Focus on one aspect of the fruits of the Spirit and ask God to grow you in it every day. And a brilliant way to, to do this is by praying and reading your Bible daily, uh, letting the riches and wisdom of God's word speak into your life. In view of God's mercy, we become people who love continually. In view of Jesus' return, we have a hope for now and an incentive for holiness. And we can only do so by putting on the Lord Jesus Christ daily. Let's pray. Uh, Paul says in Romans chapter 5, And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Heavenly Father, thank you for the hope we have in you. Thank you for the amazing mercy you've shown to us in Christ. Please help us to respond to what we've heard this evening. Please help us to look forward to the coming of your Son. Please help us to put off our sinful deeds and live godly lives in this present time. Thank you because you have poured out your spirit into our hearts. Thank you because Jesus is our salvation. He has done it all for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.